Good morning again to all of you, and a big welcome to you, and it's wonderful to see some new faces, and we hope you stay for some morning tea so we can get to know you a bit better afterwards. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 16, and we've been going through the Gospel of John here in this church, and we're now up to chapter 16, and in these series of chapters, the Lord Jesus is recorded speaking to his disciples, uh, really at the last moments before his death, and it is some of the most important things that he leaves behind with them that has been recorded down for us to consider. So from John chapter 16, I'll read from verse 1 down to around 15. Jesus says to the disciples, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor me. But I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let's pray and ask him for the blessing. Lord, as we come to your word now this morning, would you be pleased to send your spirit abundantly into every heart here this morning. Help us, Lord, to understand and to receive the truth that you teach to us. And we pray, O Lord, that you would help us to receive it gladly and with joy and obey it in our lives, living accordingly to what is revealed in your word. Bless us, Lord. And we're asking you this, Lord, because only you can do this work in our hearts. And we pray that you'd be pleased to do it even this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the disciples are left in a very, very bleak situation. The situation is that Jesus has plainly told them after the Last Supper that he is about to leave them and depart from them. And he predicts his death and his suffering and the fact that all of them will be scattered. He even predicts right before this passage that Peter himself, their bold and you know, audacious leader, as it were, would deny him three times before the night was over. And we see here in verse 6 that he says, Sorrow has filled your heart because of these things that are about to happen. And we can understand that. If you were one of the disciples, you would think, wow, that is a really difficult situation to be in. Jesus telling them plainly that he is about to leave them, and he is not going to be with them in the way that he has been for the last three or so years. And not only that, but Jesus tells them plainly that the rest of the world who has rejected Christ will also reject them and hate them and persecute them. As we read at the start of this chapter, even killing them 
thinking that it is a service to God in doing so. That's a tough situation to be in. And we can understand why sorrow fills their heart. Anxiety, perhaps, stress, nervousness at what is to come, fear. And you know, when we think about the position of the church today, you might feel the very same feelings. You might see in this nation around us that Christianity is not popular, but rather often looked down upon or outright hated. And when you think about the world and in other places of the world, like China, where I came from, where the government hates the message of the Bible and seeks to stop it however it can, you might be thinking there is so much cause for us to feel sorrow, for us to feel nervousness and anxiety and fear. So I think if we really think about it, we can relate to the situation of these disciples really, really well. And I don't know, I think even here in New Zealand, some of you might have experienced what it's like to be um, shunned or to be socially awkward. Pretty light things, but even then, because you are a Christian. Well, you know, the amazing thing is that the Lord Jesus says to them, Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, verse 7, He can say to them, It is to your advantage that I go away from you. Now, if you were there, you're thinking, How is it an advantage that you leave us, Lord? Wouldn't it be far better if you were here with us, leading the charge from Jerusalem to the end of the world, even as you raised Lazarus from the dead, you could be here in person, leading the charge. Why would it ever be an advantage for you to leave and not be with us in your physical body? And some of us have often thought, wouldn't it be so wonderful if Jesus himself was here with us in the room, in his physical body, as he was with the disciples? And yet the Lord Jesus Christ says it is to the advantage of the disciples, it is an advantage to the church that he leaves and not be present in the physical sense that he was 2,000 years ago. How can he say such things? Well, he says that if he does not go, the helper will not come to us. But he says, if I do go, the helper will come. I will send to you the spirit of truth. The Father and I will send to you to the disciples and to the church, the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I want us to consider what it is the Holy Spirit does and how that is an advantage to the physical presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray the Lord blesses this word to all of you this morning. But we note here, first of all, that the Lord Jesus from verse 8 starts to speak of what the Holy Spirit will do when He comes and fills the church and begins His active work in the world after the death and the resurrection and the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. From verse 8 we read that He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And later on as we come to verse 13, He is the one who will guide all the disciples, all those who know Jesus Christ, into the truth. He is the one who will teach them and speak to them the things that belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will take what is the Lord's and give them to the church. Unless we be tempted to think that is not the fullness of God, Jesus says that whatever He has is whatever the Father has. And the Holy Spirit communicates the fullness of God in the face of Jesus Christ to His people. In essence, like verse 14 says, the Holy Spirit will glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, if we consider all of these things, these various things that is described, 
Essentially, what we arrive at is that the Holy Spirit brings people to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He brings them to Christ. That's the summary that we can make. Even there from verse 18 to 11, what is described to the world, to those who do not yet believe in Christ, what is the work that he does? He convicts them of sin in relation to their lack of faith in Jesus. You see that there in verse 9. Sin, because they do not believe in me. And even righteousness, their lack thereof, in comparison to Christ who is risen. They see Jesus at the right hand of God, and they see that is true righteousness. And the righteousness that we have is nothing but filthy rags before Him. And judgment, the ruler of the world being judged in the cross of the Lord Jesus. You see, even the ministry that the Holy Spirit has towards the world, those who are not believers in Him, is regarding the Lord Jesus Christ. He brings the knowledge of their sin and lack of righteousness and the judgment that is to come into their hearts through helping them to see the Lord Jesus Christ. To give them the knowledge of Him who was crucified and risen. It is in relation to the Lord Jesus. And even His work in the church, everything we see He does, He does it in bringing people to know the Lord Jesus. He teaches them everything concerning Christ. He glorifies the Lord Jesus. He speaks what he hears from the Lord Jesus and from the Father. We see that the Holy Spirit declares the fullness of Christ to his people. And you know, in our day, there is so much confusion as to the work of the Holy Spirit. What is he here to do? And some say that he is here to make us out of our minds in worship in terms of, you know, dancing or singing. But that's not what this passage says. Others say that the Holy Spirit is here primarily to do miracles and acts of supernatural healing. But that is not what the Lord Jesus Christ says in this passage. The Lord Jesus Christ says, whether to the unbeliever or to the believer, the Holy Spirit's primary work is to bring them to a greater knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you been brought to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus? Have you been brought to a view of Him? Do you know if you have been brought to a true view of the Lord Jesus Christ as He is in the Scriptures whom the Holy Spirit has inspired, you can be sure that the Holy Spirit has done work in you. And if you are as a believer continuously being brought to a greater knowledge of the Lord Jesus and all His glories, His wonderfulness and His love, His power and His glory you can be sure that the Holy Spirit is working in you. But anything less than a growing knowledge of Jesus our Lord, you cannot mistake that for a work of the Holy Spirit. Because we see here in this passage that that is the primary work that the Holy Spirit is sent into the world to do. He brings people to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And for those who are not yet believers, it comes in the sense of their sin and their need for the Savior. Sin really is like an invisible disease within us. You might not feel the symptoms ever, but if a doctor comes after your blood test and tells you that you have a serious issue with your liver or kidney and you need immediate treatment, which of you would ignore the doctor's advice? Really, it would be foolish to do so. And likewise, unless the Holy Spirit brings us to a view of our need for the Savior, we would go on not knowing that we are diseased and headed for destruction. 
the Holy Spirit brings us to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the light of his glory, we see ourselves and our lack of life within us. We need him. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. But secondly, I want to note to you that all throughout this passage, the Lord Jesus Christ makes clear that it is he who does all of these works. We would be totally foolish, imagining in vain that we had something to contribute to bringing ourselves to a true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord never indicates that it's the Holy Spirit plus 1% of your intellect that brings you to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus. He never indicates that it's 99.99% of the Holy Spirit's work, but you contribute 0.01% of your religiosity to help you to realize that you are a sinner. The Lord Jesus gives no such indications. He says that it is the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world. He will guide the church into all the truth. He will bring the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ to people. And it is to Him alone that we are in need of. See, this truth is meant to humble us and to show us that we need Him at every stage, wherever we are now in our lives. We need Him to give us the knowledge of the Savior. Apart from His work in you, do you not realize you would have no idea of the Lord Jesus Christ and you would not come to believe in Him if you are a believer this morning? He alone must do the work. And you must be convinced of this, otherwise you will not go to Him and cry out to Him for help. You will not seek Him and realize your desperate condition before Him. But as many do in this world, they vainly and arrogantly think that they could turn to God anytime they want. That they could do it tomorrow. That they could do it in two weeks' time. Why not after a year, after they've enjoyed all the pleasures of life, they imagine that they have the power to convict themselves and to guide themselves into the truth. This scripture tells us only He can do that work. And I pray the Lord will help you to realize that unless the Holy Spirit guides you to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you would remain lost. This truth teaches us that we must cry out to Him. We must put ourselves entirely at His mercy. If He should choose not to open our hearts to Him, we would be lost. See how desperately reliant we are on Him. Christian or not, we need Him to open our eyes. But if it is Him who does the work, how much more so that means for the church who knows His power and confesses belief in His power to be a church of prayer. The man or woman who is truly convinced that it is the Holy Spirit alone who brings people to the knowledge of the Savior will be a praying church. They will practice prayer because they recognize they cannot do the work. In vain do we spend time thinking of the best arguments and apologetics to bring people to Christ if we do not seek the Holy Spirit's power. In vain do we try and get together and talk about how we can preach the gospel better and think about better ways to, to help people to know Him if we do not seek the help of the Holy Spirit. If you, believer, are convinced of the power of the Holy Spirit and that He alone must do the work, you will be a praying person. You will practice prayer every day in your life because you will have this realization in your heart. 
Unless I ask him to move, nothing will happen. Unless he works in my friend or in my family, they will remain as they are. Go to him, church, and ask him. Seek him. Trust in his power alone to do the great work. And you know the man or woman or child who has come to this conviction and belief that the Holy Spirit is the one who does all these things. And they humbly cry out to him, Oh Lord Spirit, would you save me and save my family and save my friends? That person is close to the blessing. For the scriptures teach us that he loves to hear and answer prayer that is offered in genuine humility and reliance upon him. He alone must do the work and we can never forget that. But lastly, I want to draw your attention to this point. The Lord Jesus Christ says that he will do these works. We read it there, don't we? Verse 8, he will convict the world. Verse 13, he will guide you into all the truth. He will declare to you. He will speak to you of me. He will glorify me. Do you know that this work that we read about is not something that might happen or might not happen? The Lord Jesus Christ promises with total certainty that this work of the Holy Spirit will take place. Oh, what an encouragement to you this morning if you have come to recognize that you may not have yet had the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. That you do not yet have a view of the Savior and a trust in Him as you should have according to the Scriptures. What an encouragement to you that the Holy Spirit will do this work in this world. Why not in you? Does this not give you the assurance to cry out to Him, Lord, you have promised to do this work. Won't you do it in me? Won't you open my heart? Won't you use me as an example of your salvation and your wonderful love? You cry out to Him this morning, having this guarantee that He will do this work. He will save. Cry out to Him with that guarantee. This is the God that you are approaching as you cry out to Him for mercy. He delights to give it. He delights to save. He delights to display His love. He will save and bring people to a knowledge of the Savior. You go to Him with that guarantee. You go to Him trusting in His goodwill. That's what the message of the Gospel says. If anyone hungers and thirsts, come let them buy and drink and eat without price. You come to Him as you are relying on Him to give you the conviction of heart. You know, many would say, I don't feel anything in my heart towards Him. I don't feel my need for Him. I don't feel really any conviction that He loves me. I don't feel any of these things in my heart. Well, my friends, that feeling is not yours to generate. It is His to generate. It is His to do. It is His work. But if you see yourself in your heart and you compare it to what is laid out in the Holy Scriptures and you see a discrepancy, do not be the man who ignores the advice of the doctors and the results of the blood test merely because they do not feel the symptoms. If you see that you do not have those convictions, all the more reason for you to cry out to God the Holy Spirit for such convictions. Ask Him to help you to see yourself as you really are. Ask Him to give you a feeling sense of your need for the Savior. You must go to Him. 
God's word declares to you that apart from his work in you, you have no hope of life. Do not let your lack of feeling or experience stop you from asking him for help and mercy. But you know, if he is the one who will do this work, not only does this give such assurance to the one who does not yet believe in him, it gives such assurance to us as Christian people who have come to know him in truth. Does this not give you the boldness to pray anything of him? The Lord Jesus Christ says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask me anything and it will be done for you. Really, anything, Lord. We can ask you anything. Yes, because God is the one who will do far more abundantly than all that we can imagine or ask. He will do the work In the world, to those who reject Him, He will convict them and bring them to a knowledge of the truth. Haven't you heard of the Apostle Paul? That's the Holy Spirit's work. And have you not experienced His work in your heart in bringing you from your place of ignorance and rebellion to God and bringing you to be a beloved child who loves God with all of your heart? That's His work. And He will do it. What guarantee and encouragement that gives to us in our prayers. We should be praying to Him with total faith that He will do His work, that He will convict the world, that if we seek Him and ask Him, He will demonstrate His saving glory. Believers, go to Him in that faith because the Lord Himself says that He will do this work. He will convict. He will guide. He will teach. So really, what am I saying from this passage? The Lord Jesus Christ says to his disciples and to us as his church, it is to your advantage that I go. Because if I ascend to heaven, the Holy Spirit himself will come into all the world and begin a work that has never been seen before in the history of the creation. He will convict the world of their need for me. He will draw them to me. And he will continue to work in the church, in the hearts of every one of his people. To bring them to a knowledge of me. To guide them to a greater love for me. He will glorify me. That is the great work that the Holy Spirit does. And if something in your life does not lead you to a greater view of Christ and a greater love for Him, it's not of the Holy Spirit. But if there's something in your life, various things that bring you to a greater appreciation of Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is Him who is doing that within you. Thank Him. Praise Him. All the worship deservedly goes to Him alone because it is He who does the work. And you know, for the disciples, this is to their advantage because the Lord Holy Spirit is bringing a view of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, for the true believer, to have increasing views of Christ, that is their true joy and comfort and satisfaction. Is He your satisfaction? Have you been brought by the power of the Holy Spirit to a view and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that He alone, above all else in this world, is your supreme satisfaction and joy and comfort? No matter what trial of life you may be going through, even now, having a view of Him is enough to satisfy you and give you the strength to continue. That is the evidence that the Holy Spirit has worked in you. Ask Him for that work. Seek Him and pray to Him for that blessing. 
Every single one of us are entirely dependent upon him. Let's pray and ask him for his blessing. Oh, Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you here, Lord Jesus, that you have spoken so clearly and plainly about the work of the Holy Spirit. He who is active amongst us now and in the world now. He who is sovereign and powerful to do everything that you please. Lord, we pray that even here this morning, you would open our hearts to a greater view of the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of us who do not yet know you, Lord, open their hearts and help them to truly have a saving knowledge of you. And for those of us who have been graciously brought to know you, help us, Lord, to love you all the more and every day to increase in our knowledge and love and worship of you, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. O Holy Spirit, Lord, we know that you alone must do this work. And so it's to you alone that we commit ourselves and pray and ask that you would do this work in our hearts. Would you do it, Lord, to the glory and praise of God. We ask all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen.